Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CP4 Friday, December 18th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, alongside my co-host John Shaker. And on today's show, we welcome on NFL Network's very own Steve White. Steve, how you doing today? Great, great to be back. It's a holiday season, big week. I'm actually coming down for the uh, for the Chiefs game this week, first time in the 504 this season. So big week, John. I no longer paying taxes in Louisiana because uh, the outbreak has kept me away. I was about to say, you know, it doesn't even feel right to introduce him as NFL works. Steve Weiss. It almost <laughs> should be, you know, NewOrleansSaints.com's Steve Weiss. But we hadn't had you this year. We're gonna miss out on that t- on that tax money. I know the state needs it. <laughs> We'll make up for it next year. There you go. You better believe it. Steve, obviously you've talked to uh, many members of the Saints football team this week or in past weeks to Mario Davis, Sean Payton. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the episode. But first, we need to start with the breaking news coming out of this morning from Adam Schefter, quarterback uh, for the um, Saints this Sunday is going to be Drew Brees. That was obviously the biggest news. How much does that change things going into this weekend? Well, it doesn't change things for anybody but us <clears throat> because the team's new, right? If Drew is going to start, then the Saints were preparing a certain way. That means people like Taysom Hill are probably going back to special teams meetings. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And Drew, he was getting in the reps with the first team, so people were getting used to it. But these, these are different things that the Saints are doing. When Taysom is in there, they're running the ball 50% of the time, in part because Taysom is running. It's more of a power based offense when drew is in there rhythm timing short get the ball out of your hands so that's what you know that's what we're going to see again especially if drew's coming off of this injury i'd expect him to be wearing one of those like uh kevlar vest to help protect his ribs like we saw tony romo wear a couple years ago when he had those badly broken ribs um for the chiefs you know yesterday you had tyron matthews saying hey we're preparing for Taysom hill now that may have been smoke Right, because Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator, said we're preparing for the scheme. Right, Sean Payton's got principles of his scheme, but of course it varies. So that's how they're preparing for it. So now that they know it's going to be Drew Brees, they're going to set things a different way. Again, prepare to stop Camaras and Cooks and not let Michael Thomas, should he play, hasn't practiced all week at deep. So this will change things up a little bit at the last minute, uh, add some kind of more definity to it. But, um, you know, it, it's still everyone's going to have to execute because, as we know, these are two teams that can put some points on the scoreboard, but they can also take the ball away. Well, Steve, you no, just mentioned I'll... the Chiefs, uh, you know, Taysom Hill running the ball. Alvin Kamara obviously has been um, super important for the Saints team this year, but the Chiefs are 26 in the league in rushing defense. Do you think Alvin Kamara is going to have one of those days? Uh, you would think you would try to exploit that, but, you know, it, it really all depends because you saw last week against the Dolphins, the Chiefs, you know, the Dolphins don't have an Alvin Kamara in the backfield, but, right. you know, they, they really did a good job of shutting things down. And the one thing with the Chiefs, we can sit there and say Alvin Kamara is going to run it, but if the Chiefs get up 14 on you, Sean Payton's not going to be handing the ball to Alvin Kamara. He's going to be throwing the ball to try to get back into the ball game and hit some explosive plays so he can get back to that more of that offensive balance. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. So it all depends on how the flow of the game is, but I would think it won't just be Kamara. You know, it'd be Murray as well, try to power some things and and really get guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark on their heels a little bit so they're not coming forward. Yeah, I was about to say, if the Saints are going to run it a lot, uh, Latavius Murray is going to be involved because generally when they run it well, uh, he and Kamara have that balance. Probably you know, Kamara with 13 or 14 carries and Latavius with 15 or 17 or something like that. Uh, but Steve, are they better positioned 
uh, withdrew, I guess I know the answer to this, <laughs> control offense uh, when you play in Kansas City because a lot of dealing with Kansas City is don't give them the ball. <laughs> right. A little bit and, and make sure that they kind of get into a hurt mode. Uh, so I would assume that, you know, they're in a better position to withdrew at quarterback to do that. Yeah, I mean, look, a prime example to me is, you know, look at – let's look at the Dolphins game last week when Miami was able to – they went no huddle in the second half of that game. They got into a rhythm offensively and kept Mahomes off the field. I mean, they really put Kansas City into some bad down and distance situations when they got the ball offensively. Chiefs converted them, though, especially on fourth down. So, yeah. I think with Drew, as you, as you know, they're, they're a rhythm offense. They can control the ball. They can control the clock. They can hit the explosive plays. Guys, think back last year when Drew came back from the thumb injury. Totally different injury, mind you. Yeah. He lit it up. Yes, he, he was did. the number one quarterback in the league in completion percentage once he came back. That first game back, <clears throat> he threw almost 400 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. Right? He was mm -hmm. on. He was on it. And so I fully expect him. Drew's not coming back to kind of get through the game. Drew is coming back to ball. You guys know him well. This is his competitive nature. He is not coming out to put out bad stuff on tape at the end of a Hall of Fame career. So these, these are things I fully expect him to come out and be fully functional and to play well in a game that could be back and forth or it could be a 20 to 17 type of game. I, I'm real interested to see how this is going to play out. Don't yeah, ask I'm, kind of, I'm kind of getting vibes from the San Francisco game last year when you know, San Francisco came in here and won, and it was like 48 to 46, but it almost feels like that could be the vibe going into this. But here's the, here's the thing for you, Steve, because you're national and you see the overview. Um, but when you see the narrative um, that emanates out of New Orleans early, you know, Drew Brees is washed. He can't throw a deep. You know, his arm isn't the same. He's not the same guy. And then he misses four games, and, and you see that same element of fans just pining for him, almost ready to chew an arm off to get him back. You know, when you're, when you're seeing that kind of thing, you know, are you kind of sitting back laughing, saying, you know, I, I see this a lot, or are you just kind of saying, you know what, folks just don't have the patience they used to have? Great, great point. I mean, I think we're in such the instantaneous results and in, in, in want to know information age that, that they forget. Like, look, look at a couple weeks ago, oh, Tom Brady, yeah, geez, he's garbage. He can't <laughs> throw the deep ball. He looks like crap. Comes back after a bye, gets, gets a little fresh, and lights it up, throwing the ball all over the field. Again, we've seen this with Drew before. And here's an element not to, not to take lightly. You know, and, and Sean, Penn, Sean Payton mentioned this Monday, or Tuesday, I'm sorry, on the Huddle and Flow podcast. This is it for Drew. Sean, Sean very much made it clear that this is, you know, probably going to be Drew's last season. So there's going to be a little extra juice coming out like I said he, he's going to want to finish well so Drew's going to come back he's going to play yeah if he can't push it down the field they'll find ways with their playmakers to get things done I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to have some matchup I mean this might be a game where we're going to see Emmanuel really kind of do his thing a little bit um this week I think he's going to have some matchup advantages um against the Chiefs and and, and so um I think Drew's going to play well he's going to be motivated and he's going to make people understand that, hey, even these broken ribs and these injuries, I'm putting it out there for you because I'm that type of competitor. 
I definitely want to get into your huddle and flow podcast because Demario and Sean Payton were great guests. But last question before we get into that, um, you know, the, the chief's offensive line is pretty banged up right now, but you've seen Patrick Mahomes enough times to know what he is capable of. In your opinion, how do you slow down a guy like Patrick Mahomes? Cause you're not going to stop him. That's just inevitable. Yeah. I mean, the key is to try to make the chiefs run the ball. It's very simple. And that's easier said than done. Prime example, though, is last week when the Buffalo Bills played the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Pittsburgh's got all these receivers, Chase Claypool, Judy Smith-Schuster. These guys are doing it. The Bills got up and challenged all those receivers. I mean, there's tape of them. Their DBs are throwing guys to the ground at the line of scrimmage. So if there's any way to get hands on guys, just to disrupt things for a minute, for a half a second, I should say, to get them off their spot, you're going to make Mahomes pat the ball a little bit more, right? So if he doesn't have – both of his tackles are one of his tackles. That's going to give Cam Jordan or Davenport or somebody else an opportunity to get after him. You know, that's, that's about the only way. And it's so hard to get hands on their receivers because they move them, right? You're going to line up in a three-by-one with Travis Kelsey, the one. Okay, the next thing you know, you've got Nicole Hardman coming in motion over to Kelsey's side. You know, when a guy's in motion, it's hard to get hands on him. You know, at the line of scrimmage, if you're static, you can do that. So, you know, the fortunately the Saints have guys who can play man. You know, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Marshawn Lattimore, who can't, who are physical types of corners who could possibly disrupt. But if you make one mistake in your technique and you reach, Tyreek Hill, if he's even, he's leaving, right? <laughs> and, and Mahomes is going to stand to play and he's going to hit it. So they've just got to be so sound in their technique. But I think the best way is to really be disruptive and physical and, and I would expect at times Dennis Allen's going to have his guys his DBs on a line of scrimmage to try to handle these receivers and, and make Mahomes pat the ball a little bit another interesting thing and just listening to Andy Reid this week wouldn't be surprised for the Chiefs you know if you force him to run well if we see more of Le'Veon Bell um, because he didn't he only had two carries last week four overall touches um, sounds like they're going to try to change that up a little bit because as nice as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, um, when you're playing a physical front, the one thing you see about him is when he gets hit, he gets hit. And, and so Lev Bell can maybe get some of those tougher yards if you need to get them. So I'd expect to see him a little bit more. Yeah, they will be catching the Saints run defense at probably an optimum time. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> no, they could be a little motivated this week after getting yeah, gashed last they, week. <laughs> yeah. One last thing on Mahomes, though. If, Steve, is he, is he Magic Johnson? This dude will mm-hmm. – throw it left-handed he'll throw it behind his back probably if he has to <laughs> do anything in the name of a completion yes yeah he's 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 magic johnson um with a little bit of, of stockton right in terms of he can deliver the full court pass you know he can give you the no look but he can also leave it at the cup i mean look at how many times where you've got right there you go look at how many times Travis Kelsey, and you know this Carolina, he's a basketball player. He runs, goes out and runs a pivot route, right? Leaves the line of scrimmage. Looks like he's going toward the sideline. And he, instead of, like, making a cut like this, he turns his back to him and bodies him up, catches yeah. it. And then Kelsey's so fast and so strong with it, he's going to run for another 15 yards. So Mahomes just has all of these things. Like I said, he's got, he's got Jamaica's 4 by one 100 track team at <laughs> wide receiver, right? And then he's got, like, Akeem Olajuwon at tight end. So he's just got all of these weapons. He's got guys he can hand it to. Plus, if all those guys are covered, he's going to run it. Remember at the beginning of the season, I covered a game out here against the Chargers. We play him very well. They allow no explosive plays. So he just ran it. I I think he had close to 100 yards rushing. So you cannot take that element out of the game because he is a 
big dude. I mean, you can hit him as hard as you want. He's he's a hard guy to, to really knock off balance. I mean, he's he's not Josh Allen because he's not six five, but he's got the other type of physical makeup to deal with a big hit if he's got to run with it. All right, let's get into this podcast of yours, Steve. You uh, launched a podcast alongside your co-host Jim Trotter earlier this summer, I believe. Correct. Yep. Um, yep. And I was just curious if you wanted to switch co-hosts for a day. Yeah, Jim would love to have you on. Please. Yeah, Jim would love to have. Or you and or you and John. When, hey, when, when Jim, when Jim and I take two weeks vacation, you guys, you're in there. You and John. Well, I, I want you to take JD. I'll take Jim, and then we'll just see how it goes. You know? <laughs> there you go. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. You better believe. Yeah, we got to we got to see how loose we can be. You know, we got to we got to check the contracts. You know, we got to check and print and make sure. No, nah, man. When you sit when you sit in these chairs, you're good. You can let it. Well, that's what I'm saying because you know I might get on there and cuss a few times, and I just want to. It's okay. We, we 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 do cuss. It just tends to get beeped out. <laughs> The ones we did with Jamal Carey Champion, that was that was loaded. We had we had a whole lot of bombs and S bombs, F bombs, everything. Um, so first you had Demario Davis on, mm -hmm. and you know he was a fantastic guest. He always is. Great conversation with him. What did you learn about Demario Davis that maybe you didn't know going into the conversation? You know, we all know how giving he is, right, and how dedicated he is. So it's hard to say you learn anything except to understand the extreme. Right. So, you know, he, he told the story, as you know, his baby girl lost her eye to cancer. Yeah. But he said, you know, when him and his wife were coming out with their kids from the hospital, well, with her, um, because of COVID rules and this and that. But anyway, they were like, they noticed as happy and as joyous as they were, they were coming out with their child. And they're seeing all of these other parents going into Vanderbilt Hospital, knowing that they're never going to be able to leave with their child because their children are going to die. So he starts a foundation now, um, kind of in the, in the mindset of St. Jude of to maybe house some of these parents for free if they're coming in from out of town to come see their parents or whatever, just some way, um, you know, he can give, you know, so we see all the social justice stuff he's doing, which is just so fantastic. But instead of saying, hey, we've got this glorious gift, our daughter's going to live. X, Y, and Z, they did that plus having the sympathy and the empathy to understand the, the fear and the fright that they just went through with their child is exacerbated for other people and they're never going to get that opportunity. So let's help. And it's kind of like, man, I mean, this guy, I mean, you just know how great he is, but, and then you think that he's what early thirties. I mean, he's got so much life to give. Like he is going to offer this world so much and, you know, I'd love it if one day he ran for president of the United States, you know, just because I think he's, he's, he's just that guy and, and he just makes everything better. You guys know him. I, that, that might've been, I mean, we've had some great, and I don't want to, you know, diminish anything, but that, that interview with DeMario might've been my, my favorite one that we did. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I don't necessarily know if I want him to run for public office because that might be confining for him. He true. He, he needs to spread his wings, I believe, and because he makes a lot, he makes a lot of a positive effect. Um, another guest you guys had on Huddle and Flow, uh, Saints coach Sean Payton. Yep. And I've listened to a lot of Sean Payton interviews. Uh, he probably was as forthcoming mm. on that podcast as I have ever heard. He, if there was a subject from A to Z, looks like you and Trotter got him on it. Um, <laughs> and, and he answered. Um, was there anything specific that stood out 
to you in that interview because it was, like I said, it was as encompassing as in, as I've ever heard him. Yeah, I mean, and this is where, you know, I think kind of the backbone of the podcast works and that's relationships, right? And, and credibility. Jim and I, over our dozens of years of, of covering the NFL, we've established a certain level of trust and credibility and especially with someone like Sean. Look, for years, Sean didn't trust any media and especially NFL related media because of what happened with the, the bounty gate situation. But even during that, because of the personal relationships I know I had with Sean when he could, you know, he would at least give his side of the story of things. And so the, I think the fact, the way that we handled that was so much trust um, and credibility allowed him to come on and speak freely. So there were so many things, you know, he, he talked about in that interview. First off, you know, again, he, that this is probably it for Drew, you know, that, he said the quarterback for the saints is on the roster right now. Yeah. I want to know your reaction to that. If I can just interject for a quick. It, it, you know, it did, it didn't surprise me because when he, when he expressed the thinking like, okay, so now, cause you know, he talks about how Jameis, like very few players were as impacted by having no off season as Jameis Winston was yeah. like, he's like, we see Jameis. We just see how fantastic and talented and the things he can do with bits and pieces of the offense, but because he wasn't here, we really couldn't indoctrinate him. And that's one of the reasons why they decided not to start him because clearly there'll be a, you know, a limited amount of offense that he can run. Um, even though he's capable, he just hasn't had the reps doing it, um, which is where Taysom had the advantage. But the fact that Jameis is on a one-year deal, and he said he thinks Jameis could compete to be their starter means that I think, there is a trust between them like, hey, you know, you can go someplace else, but this is going to be an opportunity here where you are learning the offense. You do know the culture and you do know how much we like you, um, where you're going to have a legitimate opportunity. So I do think Jameis will be back. We'll see what type of deal he signs, but I think he'll be back. And who knows with all this quarterback movement of Jameis, we have an opportunity to go elsewhere. But to me, John, the most the stuff that stuck with me the most is when we started talking to him because we call, you know, he's the Greg Popovich or the Steve Kerr of NFL coaches, him and Brian Flores in terms of speaking their mind on social issues and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And where Sean said, look, it's not the easiest thing to do in Louisiana to speak about gun control or about social injustice. He's like, but they're cool with it as long as I'm winning. So Sean, <laughs> look, Sean gets it, right? Sean knows how it works. And, and that's just like with, with the media, right? If he's, if he's getting a, a handful of lightweight questions during an interview. He's kind of like, really, will someone please test my intellectual ability here? Will somebody give me something? And, you know, so he gets it. And, and that's where, you know, I think people who really know him understand that. And, and, and I think that's how come he was so forthcoming in this interview, because he knew, look, we're going to be real. We're going to keep it real. You know, he came on knowing who Jim and I are. Like, I know exactly what's, you know, kind of the context of where we're going to go and let's let it rip. Because the one thing he said is he does not give a flip about what people think of him, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, said that a couple of times. I was yeah. also I was also taken by his his thoughts on changing how you select coaches. Wait till after the season uh, to give everybody a real fair chance and kind of you know hopefully level out the field and maybe some of those programs that are looking for a coach real quickly will sit back and say, okay, which direction do we actually want to go? You know, are we just doing the hot thing, the popular thing, or should we actually sit down and kind of let this seep in and, 
talking about what we're doing. That was something real, really stuck out to me because I, you know, I, I hope and wish at some point the NFL will go to that also. Well, and he also quickly gave the flip side of that. He's like, if you're, if you're an assistant coach on a team who you know you're going to get interviewed, right? So let's say you're Eric yeah. Bieniemy, and you know you're going to get some interviews during the playoffs. He's like, no matter how focused you are on that next game, your mind is on yeah. that head coaching interview. Yeah. And he's like, sounds like I've been there, so I, I know exactly how that is. So he said that's why he th- that there's another step to do that. Let's coaches here, GMs here, then you, who you can hire on your staff. So, cause that's a big thing right now. I'm getting phone calls from assistant coaches. Like, Hey, if this guy goes that way, I may be going with him and this and that. So it's already happening. That's how disruptive it is. So Sean's thinking is let's slow it down. Let's open up everything for everyone. Let's let the focus at the task at hand. And when we get hired, we can get hired. We can still have mini camp in the draft and everything on schedule. I swear to you, the landscaping people at my apartment complex do like they they are tapped into my Wi-Fi. And as soon as I start recording something, they want to come by with a leaf blower. So I apologize for being (laughs) on that one. But fantastic episode, obviously, with Sean Payton and Demario Davis. Saints fans, if you haven't listened to that, be sure to go to Spotify or iTunes and listen to the NFL Huddle and Flow podcast with Steve Weish and Jim Trotter. Any uh, sneak piece, sneak peek on who the next guest is? Guys, we've got one that's probably been at one of the top of my list now for six or seven years, and that's next week we are going to have former Falcons and Eagles quarterback Michael Vick on. And the reason why I'm looking so forward to this is I was a lead reporter on Michael Vick during the dogfighting investigation, and Mike and I were really good. I was one of the few people in the media that he trusted when I worked in Atlanta. And it was hard. I've never had a more difficult thing to do than to report on him doing these things to dogs, knowing him like I did, like, gosh, I mean, come on, man. I mean, I'm finding out some of the, so I want to get, you know, I can't wait to get his perspective on what it was like having us write these things about him, him and I have never had that conversation and we've spoken since, you know, because it was personal and it was professional. And that's, a, that's, a, and John, you know, you guys know this, that sometimes is a very painful or awkward line to walk. But when you're dealing with criminal situation and things like this, it's just kind of like, wow, it really, really stresses you. And so I'm just really looking forward to that. And, and the fact how Mike has just grown. I mean, you talk about a redemption story. It, this, this is one, you know, for the ages. So this is going to be an absolutely incredible podcast. Steve, last thing before I let you go, I have to ask, you talk about your relationship with Michael Vick. You've talked about, you know, developing that rapport with Sean Payton and other players and things like that. How do you think you've been able to do that? Is that just your personality? How do you kind of get through that, that shell, the exterior of players, coaches, really anyone involved in the NFL media scape? Great question. Um, I think part of it's the personality. I'm, I'm kind of disarming. I mean, when I talk to somebody about tough questions, I'm talking to them in this voice. I mean, if I'm asking them, about something that could be a criminal charge. We're talking like this, right? When I were talking to Sean Payton and, <clears throat> and Mickey and all those guys from the Saints to try to get their perspective on what was going on with the, the Bonnegate allegations, we're talking, right? It's not, and then it's trust. And, and a prime example is when I covered the NBA and the Washington Wizards with Michael Jordan, one of the first things he did to test me when he was an executive with the Washington Wizards is he told me everything, right? Here are the trades we're looking to make, here are the people we're trying to acquire, X, Y, and Z. Cause I could, and I said, he's trying to see if I'm going to go dump this all out in one big, you know, news dump, or if I'm going to finesse this 
and, and used this for very contextualized reporting, which is what I did. So he's like, I can trust him, not because he didn't dump everything out there, but because he showed a maturity and he understood what the readers or the viewers want and what's important instead of trying to do this for himself to show how great of a reporter he is. And, and, and I think that's been the main thing I was told years ago when I worked at the Washington Post, do not ever underestimate the intellect of a sports fan because sports and entertainment are the only two things that an eighth grade dropout and a Harvard graduate can, can chat on the same level, so to speak. And, the, and also always, always understand who you're working for. And that's for your readers and your viewers, right? You're getting your paycheck for someone else, but what do they want to know? And so the questions you ask, having a firm grasp of the subject matter, right? If you're going in there and you're just asking some lollipop questions constantly, then the person you're, you're dealing with is going to think you're a lightweight. But yeah, every now and then you ask the lollipop questions and then every now and then, okay, you ask very targeted types of questions, which tend to take you down a path the person wants to talk about because you're stressing their IQ. Like, wow, okay, this person's pushing me a little bit. That really tends to build a trust and, and a certain level of respect both ways of, of what I do and, and what other people think about me. And you know, look, I've also been at this for a really long time, so that helps as well. <laughs> See, whenever I say JD's been at this for a really long time, he gets mad at me for, you know, cracking old jokes, but I think that's just his insecurities. No that sounds like that sounds like a that sounds like a you problem, JD. Yeah, well, you know, millennials, you know, they, <laughs> okay. they do what they do. <laughs> uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Steve Weish on the Saints podcast, obviously coming to town for the Saints, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Fans can watch that, that game at 225 on CBS. And of course, check out Steve Weish on NFL Network Sunday morning. Steve, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys. As I said, fans can tune into the game on Sunday at 3.25 p.m. Central on CBS. Of course, before the game, you can tune into Dome at Home. John DeShazer and I will have your pregame report, everything you need to know going into this Saints versus Chiefs game. And that will be available at 2.25 p.m. Central on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints app, Saints Twitter, and Saints Facebook. All right, thanks to everyone for listening to the show today. We will catch up on Wednesday, hopefully talking about a Saints win. Have a good weekend, everyone. Stay safe and go Saints.